Constitution here on We the People Radio Network, and we are continuing to light the fires of liberty every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. And if uh, things go the way that I hope they do, we will be uh, very soon lighting the fires of liberty from noon until 2 p.m. Um, in the Central Texas area. Um, negotiations are moving along. And very soon, hopefully next Monday, this program will be rebroadcast uh, in the afternoon on a real antenna over uh, a large area uh, encompassing one and a half to two million people. And I'm very excited about that. Um, I will let you know the details as soon as we have inked paper and have a contract uh, agreed to and the uh, radio time paid for. I don't want to give any more details than that because I really hate having to go back and say, no, uh, we were wrong, that didn't happen, uh, and we apologize. So I'd rather not say uh, what we're planning uh, just in case something comes up to uh, to interfere. But, uh, um, again, I'm hoping that this program uh, is able to, to grow its audience and to grow its effect on the United States. Um, and as for me, I just want you to remember that liberty is not a spectator sport. You must take action. You must participate. And one of the ways we are asking you to participate is to give us a call, 512-646-1984, 512-646-1984. We are a talk show, and uh, we simply request that you uh, are polite. And my co-host this morning is uh, Stephen Molyneux, who's written a book called Universally Preferable Behavior. Um, Stephen, we we really didn't give you a chance to talk too much in that last segment. Um, do you have any comments, to, you know, in response to uh, Patrice? Yeah, I mean, I thought that she had uh, some, I mean, <laughs> an obvious amount of enthusiasm for the topic, which nobody could uh, could fault her for. What I would say, though, is this: the advent of reason, in my opinion should not be opposed by religious people. And, you know, and I'm not saying that she's doing this, but this was the impression that I got, that to work on a rational theory of ethics is not the same as disproving the existence of God. Uh, in the same way that a scientist who is working on the Big Bang Theory or quantum physics is not disproving the existence of God. So I think that it's important uh, for people who have faith in the existence of, of God, to not sort of come out punching when a rational theory is proposed and say, well, that's bad. I think that does not do credit to the belief and to the religion as a whole. I think that people should uh, welcome every expansion of reason and evidence in the world. And if we want to have a show about the existence of God, I would be happy to talk about it. But I think in this instance, um, we, uh, you know, I would certainly invite Christians to to welcome, you know, the exercise of the God-given reason that we have, 
um, because uh, I think that the expansion of rational uh, evidentiary truth uh, is, is not detrimental to, uh, to their belief. So basically when we were talking about the world is flat, originally people said God created the world as a flat object, and then later Christopher Columbus noticed that sails would, uh, when ships approach, you could see the sails first. And, and so then we humans went, oh my gosh, God didn't create the world flat, he created it round. And so basically stating that the world is round and not flat is not a disproof uh, of uh, a supreme being. Yeah, what it does, of course, is it, uh, it points out that certain sections of the Bible are limited by the knowledge of the time that it was written in. And I don't think that there's any religious person who would dispute that who's, you know, walking the streets. I mean, uh, we, we fully understand that there are certain limitations uh, that are in the Bible and its understanding of physics and biology that are specific to the time. But I don't think that people base their entire belief on God uh, on whether the world is flat or round. I think that's sort of putting your eggs in one basket that is not very stable. Right. Um, so, anyway, and again, when we're looking for this, uh, this universal preferable behavior, it, it's not to exclude God, but to give people of religion a tool to talk to people who are atheists to, to get them to, to behave um, in a manner that uh, is beneficial for everybody. I'm going to go now to um, Mike in Texas. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Hello. I'm enjoying the program. Well, good. That was hopefully the intent. Well, I've got to tell you, after that last round of calls, but I just had to call in and, and just say I'm, I'm with a small, obscure group. It's a called, uh, yeah, a small, obscure group. Uh, it's called Christians for Jesus. Okay, I don't understand. I don't understand the specificity of that. I mean, I, it, my limited understanding that all Christians are for Jesus is that not true? Well, I really have to question that in terms of action and dogma. And Jesus himself said that there will be a, a great mass within the body who is deceived. Uh, prior to the last remnant, uh, who really stays true to his way. And I believe that that is the uh, circumstance in which the young lady finds herself in who had just called during the last segment. And I think if you really read uh, the red words in the Bible and live by them and uh, think by them, you will have a much different worldly and spiritual view than what is being termed as our Judeo-Christian uh, doctrine of today. So I think that's just a, a uh, maybe a uh, reasoned uh, view or assertion there in this discussion. Well, and that, again, all we're trying to do is come up with uh, something that everyone can agree on. Um, if I see uh, uh, a man who is uh, perpetrating a rape, you know, I don't stop to ask him what his religion is. You know, I just stop him. Um, and, you know, again, we're not – there are good people and bad people in every subset of humanity. 
good and bad white people, good and bad black people, good and bad Mexican people. And, um, you know, what we're trying to do is to establish what is the common good. Um, you know, how, what is it that we should all agree on? And can we do, derive these uh, conclusions logically and rationally? Yeah. Well, I would like to put forth the proposition that um, salvation, uh, speaking as a Christian for Jesus, uh, it came to its fruition in the generation, within the generation in which Jesus walked the earth. Those were his words. And uh, I believe that this, uh, all this uh, war and march towards an Armageddon in the future uh, is being led by false prophets and is not uh, being led uh, by God uh, through Jesus Christ. Hello? Hello? Okay, don't go away, Mike. I'm going to add uh, Bert to the conversation. Bert, welcome back. Okay. Well, uh, the author has a wonderful book, I'm sure. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I, I enjoy reading all different things on ethics and morals. I think it would be great. And I didn't want to delve too far into religion because that's obviously not the focus of what he's intending to communicate. Uh, but one of the things that he did bring across this idea of killing and death and you shouldn't kill and the, the, the basis of that and how, how that works. And so my, uh, what I wanted to do to ask him was, uh, coming, you've mentioned your intention is to come up with a universal set of morals that everyone can agree on. And so what I'm curious to know is what does the author propose is the mechanism that we come to agree on. And the reason why I bring that, the question of the mechanism up is in my observation, if you just take the, for instance, capital punishment from a, from a state perspective, um, looking at capital punishment, there are rational people who come to that subject and disagree. There are people on both sides of that issue who have reason and logic and understanding, and, and they disagree about capital punishment. So my question for the author is to ask him, what, um, what mechanism does he propose to work out these uh, difficult problems? That, that's a great question, Stefan. Yeah, sorry, I think that's too difficult. Can we go to the next caller? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, no, th those, are, those are excellent, excellent questions. Um, I just wanted to, to clarify something, uh, at least from my perspective. I'm not trying to come up with a system that everyone will agree on, because I think that would be an impossible task, um, because people will always have their own opinions. For instance, the scientific method is pretty well understood by a lot of people, but there are lots of people who attempt to achieve knowledge, um, by praying to their cats. I don't know, right? There's lots of crazy ways that people try to get knowledge in the world, even though science is, is relatively well understood and, and respected and has a, obviously a very good track record in certain fields. So I don't think it's possible to create an ethical system that absolutely everyone is going to agree on. What I do want to do, though, is to have a way of evaluating a moral proposition. And what I mean by that is science is just a way of evaluating theories about the world. And if I say, the world is banana-shaped, well, science will have something to say about that. And if I say, um, uh, capital punishment is moral, then I think it's important to have a rational framework for evaluating that, because what it generally comes down to is opinions, right? So I think it's good, I think it's bad, and so on. And not to pull religion back in, but there is that challenge within Christianity, which is, 
is it uh, turn the other cheek or is it an eye for an eye? And depending on your particular uh, personality uh, approach to things, you're going to come up with different solutions. As to the question of capital punishment, uh, I don't go that, uh, into that specifically in the book, but I'll just touch on a way that I think we could approach it. We can understand that uh, to, to use violence in self-defense, if somebody is coming at you with a knife, you can uh, shoot them, uh, hopefully in the knee, but you, know, you can use violence to defend yourself. That is a rational principle that can be validated according to reason and evidence. Um, however, I'm not sure that we can validly say a guy comes at you with a knife, uh, stabs you, uh, you don't die, and then six months later you can go and shoot him. You know, that the, the time frame between the aggression and the response has to be somewhat immediate in order for the justice to occur. Um, so I don't know I'm that... I'm really interested in that. Um, I, just want to, I don't want to get too far away from that because what you're saying is, is, is the key of the issue. You've mentioned that it's a scientific approach, that you're trying to develop a scientific approach, and so obviously there needs to be some form of experimentation and evaluation. There has to be a thesis. You have to, you have to work through the scientific method. Exactly which, or what kind of experiment would you do to determine this kneecapping being okay only if it was immediately preceding some other violence? What's your experiment there? Well, the first thing that I would do is look at uh, capital punishment requires the existence of a coercive monopoly called the state. So the first thing that I, I mean, as far as it's generally proposed. So you, in science, you don't take anything for granted. Everything is open to question. So if somebody were to debate me on capital punishment, the first thing that I would ask is for them to justify the existence of this uh, monopoly of violent people called the state. If that could not be uh, justly uh, defended, which I don't think it can be, then we would begin to talk about other options or ways of dealing with uh, violent crime and so on. The experiments, of course, since the goal of any justice system should be to prevent rather than retaliate against violence, the experiment would be to see whether various approaches did in fact prevent rather than merely retaliate against violent crime. That would be sort of the real-world experiment. So this idea that a justice system must be to prevent instead of retaliate, um, what experiment sorry, would you sorry, do sorry, to come up with Sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't say just. Uh, what I said is that it should have the ideal, like, like medicine is better if it prevents you from getting sick than if it cures you, but that doesn't mean that you don't need a cure. It just means that it's better to prevent rather than to cure an ailment. So the prevention of violent crime is certainly better than figuring out the retaliation. So if in the question of capital punishment, you would have to figure out which agency would be able to justly or morally provide such a possible service, once you had figured out the logic and the ethics of that, then you would begin to look at options about how uh, violent crime could be retaliated against, even if it occurred. And uh, you would then have experiments, or not experiments, but you would then track the data to find out uh, which was the most effective strategy in preventing uh, the crime rather than just retaliating against it. And, and I don't want to – I know this is using a mechanism, but it looks like the gadfly. It, it is. Because when you say something like uh, it is obviously better or certainly it is better, what pops to my mind is I want to follow if – you're, if, you're if you're going to base this on religion and God, sure, show me a proof text. If you're going to, as Mr. Banerik uh, put forward, you're going to do it based on what the majority of the people believe, let's have a survey. If I'm going to do it based on what you believe, it certainly it's better for – 
uh, you never to get sick than to be cured of your illness, well, then we'll just base it on what you believe. But if we're going to say that it's better to keep people from being sick than it is to cure them of their sickness, if we're going to follow a scientific method, you have to show that that's true. You can't just make a statement that says it's true and say, well, everyone believes. Well, everyone believes it's better to kneecap someone than to kill them, or everyone believes it's better to prevent crime than to punish it, or everyone believes that justice is less important than prevention. Um, we can't make those statements without having some basis in science if you're going to use that as your basis. We're going to break for three minutes, and uh, then we're going to come back with more Lighting the Fires of Liberty. Our phone number, 512-646-1984. Give us a call. Join the fray. Hi, my name is August from ASAP Organics. ASAP Organics makes an OMRI-listed organic plant fertilizer containing all 14 essential microminerals to grow delicious, healthy food. ASAP Plant Minerals. Have you noticed a lack of taste in grocery store produce compared to the old days? I'm sure you have. That's because today crops are grown in huge fields that have been stripped of microminerals. Crops need microminerals to construct nutrient phytochemicals and flavor. It's that simple like ASAP Plant Minerals. ASAP Plant Minerals delivers the exact minerals to soil that all plants need to construct the phytonutrients we need, just like the old days. Look for the big green cross. We do for plants what the Red Cross does for people. Find us online at asaporganics.com or call us at 877-596-2727. That's 877-596-ASAP. You'll be glad you did. Collectors, outdoor enthusiasts, survivalists. The Army Navy store from your memory as a child is just that, a memory. But there is still one place to find everything from gas masks to ammo cans and find it cheap. MainMilitary.com. Get hard to find objects like real wool blankets for under 20 bucks, canteens for just $2, or trioxane fuel for just a dollar a box. M-A-I-N-E, Military.com with free shipping on items over $150, not including heavy items. Find surplus items for cheap now, like 30 caliber cleaning kit for just $2. 99 a piece or a dozen for $30. Flare pistols are only $25. Want to add a brand new Israeli gas mask to your collection? Kids in adult sizes are just $20. Get G3 mags for just 2 bucks or a military fuel can for only $16. Add the siphon holes for another $7.99. Find it all online at MainMilitary.com. With shipping throughout the world, check out MainMilitary.com or call 877-608-0179. That's 877-608-0179. Call today. Deadline Live and Jack Ludd are proud to announce our new bookstore. Okay, it's not really our online bookstore where you can get every title, book, and DVD you hear about on our live show. It's brought to you by the people at Brave New Books. BraveNewBookstore.com is the newest, bravest, and most complete bookstore online today. And their DVD selection has all the titles you need to decode the new world order and fight the information war. BraveNewBookstore.com has awesome t-shirts to proudly display your patriotism and liberty stickers to alert the public at large. Brave New Books is physically located at 1904 Guadalupe Street under the Chase Bank Building next to UT in Austin, Texas. So stop on by and maybe stay for one of their film showings. Go to bravenewbookstore.com now to peruse the virtual bookstore and look for the Jack Blood recommended section. Or call them at 866-516-6623. 866-516-6623 to order the books and videos you hear about on Deadline Live. Be the resistance. Tell your friends about bravenewbookstore.com. 
To, to join me. The name of the program is Lighting the Fires of Liberty. The Fires of Liberty must live in your heart. That's the only way that we can promote the, those ideas. And my co-host this morning is uh, Stephen Molyneux, and we are, we are searching for some universal truths, uh, something that uh, people of all religions can believe in. I'm going now to uh, Florida and my friend Kay. Good morning, Kay. How are you this morning? <laughs> Hi, Michael. I'm fine. How are you this morning? I'm I'm delighted. I'm I'm very pleased that uh, we have this uh, intellectual discussion going on. Thank you. Um, wow. Just as uh, you're talking, I have someone at my door. Um, anyway, hi. Do, do, do you think that there are universal truths that uh, people of religion and atheists can agree on? Well, here's what I wanted to wanted to say. There were um, a few things. Um, unfortunately, I have someone at my door, so I'm a little distracted. You want to call back? Anyway, um, you order enough pizza for everyone? Let me let me call back <laughs> because I have someone at my door. I'm just going to call back. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Okay. It happens. Uh, okay. There are things uh, in our schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go I'll, ahead and give I'll, us a call. call we'll, we'll take your call a little bit later. Um, okay, and we're going to go, if my computer will respond properly, I'm going to go to uh, Mike in Texas, and um, I'm not sure why it is taking so long. Hello. Um, Mike, are you on the air? Uh, yeah, we can hear you. Okay, well, then I guess my question for Stefan is, if we're trying to uh, bridge the various religions in the world, with a universal laws that allow us to live peaceably with each other as we walk the earth, um, would those might be uh, commandments two through ten uh, in the uh, in the Bible? Okay, uh, I think that uh, obviously, uh, "Thou shalt not steal," "Thou shalt not kill." Uh, some of those things are good, um, uh, obviously, but the problem with that. Uh, in my opinion, is that in the scientific method, there's no such thing as commandment, right? A, a commandment or a conclusion, which is a moral rule called thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, it can't be where you start from in science, right? You can't start with something which says, my theory is true and I don't have to prove it. And so the challenge that I've set, wisely or foolishly, successfully or unsuccessfully, is to say, 
what if I don't have commandments to work with? What if I have to accept that lots of people believe lots of different things, that even people who believe that stealing is wrong support taxation, or people who believe that murder is wrong uh, support the initiation of force through the military? If I have to deal with the world as it is without having access to divine commandments, how is it that I would try to prove uh, an ethical system or create a system that could be validated through reason and evidence? So I'm sure that a lot of what I come up with would also be valid within the Bible, but I can't take, as a philosopher, I can't take the easy out of having commandments. I have to try and reason from first principles, if that makes sense. That doesn't invalidate the conclusions, but I can't start with, with those divine commandments, if that makes sense. Well, let me just then respond by saying that if you do not include the first commandment, then these commandments aren't necessarily divine. And in your premise, I think you're looking for a scientific, as you call it, uh, truism that is that contra is contradictory to human nature. Uh, you know, human nature. I don't believe. I'll just put posit with you. Uh, does not uh, is not a, a scientific uh, theorem, so to speak. Um, and I think if you look at the two through ten commandments, two through ten. Let's just say that they're not divine. Uh, that only the first commandment would be in that category, uh, that we would have such a world, and, and you talk about a, a government uh, being uh, rooted in evil, uh, but there would have to be some rules because of, of the fact that we are dealing with human nature. And if you have a, a government, so to speak, that is really good for human nature, then hopefully people would not be uh, fighting over resources or, uh, or uh, coveting resources and, and doling them out for their own uh, gain and this kind of thing. Uh, what, do, what do you think about those perspectives? Well, you've said a lot, and I, I won't, uh, I mean, we could have an hour on each of those points at least, so I'll just touch on, on one of them to, to give other listeners a chance to call in. According to the theory that I propose, and I think that a lot of people who are against the initiation of force, most libertarians and so on, would agree with this, that it's impossible to have, logically it's impossible to have, a moral government because government by its very nature relies upon the initiation of the use of force uh, through taxation, through a monopoly control, like a farmer with his livestock, through a monopoly control over citizens in a geographical era, uh, area. So. The, the statement moral government would uh, sort of be oxymoronic, if that means, sorry, that's a, a volatile term to use on the radio. That has nothing to do with you. That just means that it's a self-contradictory term. It's like saying a moral murderer. Uh, it just doesn't work logically. Uh, again, this is predicated on my theory, and you can have a look at the book. It's free at freedomainradio.com forward slash free if, you, if you'd like. Okay. Well, I guess I think your other, uh, you know, quagmire on, on this is that human nature in scientific law are also contradictory. Uh, and what, and what, I, do you, what do you define as uh, human nature? Well, human nature is such that, uh, you know, a survival instinct. And, How? It, and it's, uh, it's the survival instinct, instinct is put up against um, conditions 
where you have to pray, not A-Y, but E-Y, uh, on, on another living uh, thing in order to survive, uh, then uh, it doesn't seem to me that, that it's compatible with the scientific theory to try to come up with some kind of universal living. Now, let me tell you, I was just watching uh, public television the other day, and Stefan's question may be answered by our, our evil government, and that they are talking about chipping all of us and having all of our brains interconnected. Uh, and the Borg! That, uh, yeah. You will you will be assimilated. Resistance is yeah. futile. Uh, yeah. Resistance resistance yeah. is not futile. It's mandatory. Well, and MIT uh, and the the uh, folks over in, in that particular uh, you know university uh, are leading uh, this effort. Uh, so there 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 is uh, a dark side to uh, Stefan's quest to have universal peace and, and a coexistence. Uh, well, let me just put a two-second response in. I know we're coming down to the wire, but human nature uh, empirically is a very fluid thing, right? So if you're born in Syria, you will very likely, 99%, you will grow up to be uh, a Muslim, right? And if you're born in England, then you will have other kinds of traits. Human nature is to adapt to the prevailing social mores and ethical thinking within the society, which is why when you begin to change the way that people think about ethics, you actually begin to have a direct effect on human nature and that is why these cultures tend to replicate around the world and you go to the base of the tree and you change the fruit excellent excellent conversation this morning i want to thank all my listeners for being so polite we'll be right back Now you and your friends and family can enjoy the sweetest, cleanest drinking water anytime, even while traveling, camping, at sporting events, or in emergency situations. The Berkey Light removes bacteria, cysts, parasites, and harmful chemicals to below detectable levels. It reduces nitrates and unhealthy minerals like lead and mercury, yet leaves in the nutritional minerals your body needs. The Berkey Light is so powerful, it can purify raw, untreated water from remote sources. The optional PF2 filter even removes fluoride. The Berkey Light has a rechargeable LED lighting system and an elevated base for use in places other than a countertop. To get your Berkey system, please visit We the People Radio Network at WTPRN.com and click the Berkey banner or call 512-646-6444. That's WTPRN.com or call 512-646-6444. There are many types of storable foods, but how about a superfood that contains every nutrient that the human body needs for survival? 50% protein, 300 milligrams of potassium per ounce, and calcium and magnesium for your heart and bones, with many more nutrients found in this incredible food source that the government does not want you to have. This product is available in powder, seeds, and oil, and is shipped free to your door in the U.S. This product is illegal to grow in the U.S., but is legal to import. Don't waste time thinking about storing food, plan ahead and prepare for yourself and your family now and be in control of your destiny. You can save and invest your money, but in the end, food will be your greatest asset. Remember what the Word of God says in Ezekiel 7:19. Call 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Remember, food will be your greatest asset. Call 908-691-2608. This product does not contain THC. Call 908-691-2608 today. 
Are gasoline and diesel fuel costs eating away your personal and business finances? Stupid question, right? Were there was a simple, low-cost and safe engine add-on that allowed your car, SUV, pickup, or even your semi to use water as a fuel? Yes, I said water. We have the answer. Go to hydrofreedom.com now to find out how you can boost your vehicle's gas mileage by 30, 50, or even 70% or more using water and gasoline together. An easy-to-assemble add-on produces HHO, a combination of hydrogen and oxygen, often called Brown's gas, and the only byproduct created is good old water. Your engine will run smoother, last longer, and have more power, better engine performance, and less harmful emissions. You may even qualify for an IRS refund just for using it. Check us out at hydrofreedom.com. Break away from the oil cartel and save money in the process. Go to hydrofreedom.com to learn more. That's www.hydrofreedom.com. Great host, great topics, free speech at its best. This is We the People Radio Network. behavior, some idea, some common good that we can all agree on. And my co-host is uh, Stefan Molyneux, who has written a book called Universally Preferable Behavior. And um, we have people lined up. I want to ask my callers to, uh, when you call in, please give me a chance to put you back on the air. Um, Patrice has called back, and before I can get to her, she's uh, dropped off the line again. So um, be patient. Um, I mean, there's only so many people that I can have on at a given time. Kay, you're back. (laughs) I am. I'm sorry about that. Hi. Hi. So, um, okay, I did have a few comments. The first is that I really wanted to validate your guest for trying to marry up the sciences and the humanities. Um, I think it's a very, very big gap that we have uh, that the sciences and our humanities are not married, and and some attempts to do so have not resulted in a real great philosophy. So I think it's a Herculean task that he's um, trying to accomplish him here, and I really wanted to validate him for but what he's doing. And then I did have some comments. Um, science, with all its methodologies and, and having to prove um, everything in the real universe that we have, sometimes forgets that there could be a master hand that is behind um, the very didactic universe that we live in. And um, I think that that is probably one of the points that has... Uh, separated sciences from the humanities and have gone in different directions and have given us a society that of which at this point in time unfortunately we're not all really proud of it um, because the humanities are, are 
lacking, way behind our scientific uh, procedures and methods. Anyway, that's just my opinion, and I wanted to call in mostly to validate your, your guest and his attempt, and I don't think we're going to agree on this. Man has been arguing about this for how many thousands of years now? <laughs> well, I, I think that you're entirely right, and I, I just in general wanted to compliment the listeners on the perceptiveness and precision of their questions, uh, particularly the capital punishment fellow who had excellent, excellent points. Um, so uh, I, I agree with you that the examination of value of that which makes life precious and beautiful for us is something that is explored in art and it is explored in religion, and it is a, a beautiful aspect of life, that which we treasure, that which we consider noble and courageous and virtuous and lovable, is something that science cannot address. I mean, certain aspects of psychology can measure it, but the question of value and beauty in life, I think, is where ethics has the most to offer, and unfortunately, I, I think you're entirely right, our scientific and economic knowledge has far outstripped the development of philosophy in the realm of uh, truth and beauty and virtue. And I agree with you, it is a completely insane task that I have set myself. I am sure that I will fail a lot more than I will succeed, but I've always been of the belief that it's better to fail at a big task than succeed at a small one, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I, I really like that. And um, I want to thank my listeners. I, I have been telling people that my listening audience is above average intelligence. They're incredibly polite. And if there's any subset of the population that can and should address this uh, problem, it's, uh, it is my audience. And so I want to I want to compliment all of my callers so far. We're going now to Janet in Texas. Good morning, Janet. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I just wanted to say that I heard uh, your your speaker earlier say that he had a problem with commandment. But uh, I want to pose this question, and that is, is, aren't you using science as the God here who wants to be in command of all people? And aren't we just having a problem here with who's in command? And personally, I'd rather it be God and something that science can't touch, can't prove or disprove. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I just believe that we came to the earth alone and we're going to go out alone. And while we're here, we should, uh, take responsibility individually for what we think and believe and, instead of having, uh, a system for the world to live by, uh, by some commander, human commander, which, you know, is always proven to be wrong. Well, I, I, I think I agree with you a lot more than I disagree with you, which is great. And this is not uncommon when speaking with people who are, uh, who are religious, for me. I, I completely agree with you that personal responsibility is, is essential. I completely agree with you that human leadership is catastrophic if it is compulsive in all situations, under all circumstances, and the degree of catastrophe is unmatched. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the statistics for state uh, murders of citizens in the 20th century is over 250 million. That doesn't even include wars. That is just democide. So I think that the, the suspicion of human uh, power, of political power, uh, we share. And, uh, but what I would not say is that uh, I don't just have a sort of problem with commandments, like I don't like the color of them or anything. The reality is that when you're working from first principles as a philosopher, you simply can't assume the argument, right? It's called begging the question. You can't say, well, if we assume that my argument is true, this follows. You, you can't make that leap. 
So the problem with commandments, it's like philosophy has a problem with commandments, not me. I just sort of try and, and follow that. And the last thing that I would say is that I do think that um, uh, the, the, the goal of, of trying to, to live a better and more virtuous life is shared by religious people. It is shared by non-religious people. But um, uh, if we can use science not as a master, because science, of course, is simply a methodology. Science is simply a way of trying to establish valid truths about the objective uh, world that we live I in. I have to disagree with you on that. I have to disagree with you that science is strictly just a methodology that wants to prove one thing or another. I believe that science is a god to some people, and they want to use what they find, whether it's accurate or inaccurate, to rule over other people. Well, I think that I'm sure that you're right, and I'm sure that some people view science as a god, and to that degree, I would say that they're not scientific. Well, nevertheless, the people who are in control of science right now and the people who are arguing that we have to have laws and countries and religions that all agree based on some people getting together and using scientific knowledge, which is imperfect in itself, to become the, the leader and the commander of all peoples everywhere so that there's a common good, I believe that that is in complete falsehood and that it is impossible and that it's just another set of, subset of people trying to have command, uh, be the commander, uh, other than God. And you and I, you and I are brother and sister uh, in that belief. Uh, I think that we both share that belief. I am very much opposed to coercive human institutions. They are uh, the root of just about all the evils in the world, so I think that you and I completely agree. We may come from different roads, but the conclusion and the principle that we share, I think, is the same. Janet, how can people be in control of science? How can people be in control of science? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the world is round. And yeah, being in control of science myself, and, and you know, I see, I see a lot of the uh, philosophers, so-called philosophers, they always go back to the world is round and the world was flat and blah 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 But today is a different, different world, okay? I don't believe that, that science and people studying science then and the shape of the world and all actually set out to prove or disprove God and take over the world and make everybody believe something and have a subset of rules that they have to follow and punishments and blah 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 That's just more of the same. People were just mildly curious about how to make things better for people in the world and offer them something, not make them take it. Right. But 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 I believe that eventually, because it, it was approved and disapproved by those in power, kings who believed that they were ordained by God to rule over everyone else, uh, I believe that they wanted to own science. And uh, now that's where we are today. Uh, you can make numbers being a statistical person, having a statistics background, having a medical background, being in science myself. You can make science say whatever you want it to say. You can make, make experiments come out yes and no. I've seen it happen at Abbott Laboratories. Different people run this, and they're equally qualified, mind you, equally qualified professionals that bring you the science of testing blood in machines. I have seen them take some experiments, and one subset of, of, of uh, scientists will make it say one thing, and the results for the same experiment will come out and say another thing, and everybody divides up and argues their point. Yes, well, I'm not sure that religion solves that problem of subjectivity. Well, we're going to uh, have to uh, wait until we come back from this commercial. This is our last commercial. Uh, when we come back, we're going to go to uh, Gary in Arizona. If you want to call in, you've got to do it now, 512-646-1984. Don't go away.
Chemtrails in the air, genetically modified clone processed food, poison water, radiation, and stress have reduced many of you into toxic cyber blobs. You can't go on like this, and I know you don't want to. Do yourself a favor. Do your country a favor. Be the best you can be and start taking Enerfood now. Enerfood is easy to prepare and cheaper than a cup of coffee to take every day. And speaking of coffee, Enerfood.com has the best all-organic fresh coffee ever. It's fair trade coffee infused with rainforest polysaccharides to, like Enerfood, improve your immune system and not destroy it. If coffee's not your thing, try the all-organic Cocoa Mojo. Enerfood is spelled E-N-E-R, Enerfood.com, or give them a call at 866-762-9238. Mention WTPRN and save 10%. Try Enerfood because you can't be awake when you're always falling asleep. Are you losing precious sleep on these long, hot summer nights? Are you paying outrageous energy bills trying to stay cool while you're sleeping? If so, have I got great news for you. The bed fan is an amazing device that installs at the foot of your bed and circulates cool air between your sheets. Your average body temperature is over 98 degrees, and your air conditioner simply can't penetrate your blanket where your body heat is being trapped. The bed fan's revolutionary design directs cool air between the sheets where it's really needed. No more tossing and turning to keep you up all night. The bed fan's thin streamlined design is simple to install and fits between your bed and footboard. And did I mention how much money you're going to save by turning down your air conditioner overnight? Please don't let another sleepless night go by. Get your bed fan by going to bedfan.com or calling area code 210-632-8280 or you may go to wtprn.com and click on the banner, Sweet Dreams. Gold prices are at historic highs, and with the recent pullback, this is a great time to buy. With the value of the dollar, risks of inflation, geopolitical uncertainties, and instability in world financial systems, I see gold going up much higher. Hi, I'm Tim Fry at Roberts & Roberts Brokerage. Everybody should have some of their assets in investment-grade precious metals. At Roberts & Roberts Brokerage, you can buy gold, silver, and platinum with confidence from a brokerage that specialized in the precious metals market since 1977. If you are new to precious metals, we will happily provide you with the information you need to make an informed decision whether or not you choose to purchase from us. Also, Roberts & Roberts Brokerage values your privacy and will always advise you in the event that we would be required to report any transaction. If you have gold, silver, or platinum you'd like to sell, we can convert it for immediate payment. Call us at 800-874-9760. We're Roberts & Roberts Brokerage. 800-874-9760. We the people. We the people. Radio Network. Educational. Inspirational. Constitutional. You're listening to We the People Radio Network. Bear 
Bednarik coming to America. Welcome back. You are listening to Michael Bednarik. I am the stepfather of the Constitution. Do not violate my Constitution or Bill of Rights. It will make me very, very upset. And you are uh, here on We the People Radio Network. We have... Uh, a program called Lighting the Fires of Liberty, and I think that people's hearts are on fire this morning. My co-host is uh, Stephen Molyneux, who's written a book called um, Universal, Universally Preferable Behavior, and we are debating the issue as to whether there are any universal truths. I want to thank uh, Janet for calling in. I want to differentiate science from pseudoscience, however, just because somebody wears a uh, white lab coat and carries a clipboard uh, really doesn't make them a, uh, a scientist. And I agree that um, there's a lot of emotion now and subjectivity um, taking on in the guise of science. Um, whenever I refer to the word science, I talk about true science where we're looking for the right answer and we don't have any emotional uh, uh, stake in the outcome. I'm going now to uh, Gary in Arizona. Gary, thanks for being patient and waiting. You've been online for a while. Gary? Okay, then. Can you hear me? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm... Gary, we're here. Okay. I just had an observation about the uh, uh, that commandment that says, um, thou shalt not kill. I think that's pretty universal around the world. I think Pretty much people know that. Um, but um, I wanted to say that, you, you know, all through the Bible, God kills. But in the Ten Commandments, it says, Thou shalt not kill. And it se it's a seemingly contradiction to, to what actually it, uh, takes place. But um, if you dig a little bit deeper into the passage, the, the, that commandment that says, Thou shalt not kill... It, it doesn't say that. It says, thou shalt not murder. And, and so murder would be the initiation of violence, and killing someone who crawls into your window at 2 o'clock in the morning would be self-defense. Right. So if so, somebody, somebody comes at you to murder you, killing them is justified. That's why God is justified all through the Bible in all the killing that he did. What you won't find in the Bible is that God murdered, God killed, and there's a <laughs> Look, I mean, uh, we, we, I don't want to get into a whole Bible thing here, but um, uh, first of all, God doesn't get to claim self-defense because people can't kill God, right? He's immortal. Uh, and secondly, I mean, if you just look at something like Sodom and Gomorrah, where a whole city is destroyed with women and children, obviously innocent children, or if you look at the flood story where only Noah and his um, family were saved, the rest of the world was drowned, um, that is not the same. Uh, obviously, the children, uh, the, the good people, uh, and so on, were not uh, killed justly uh, by any reasonable moral standard. Yeah, I just wanted, I just wanted to make the point that the, the, the passage says, Thou shalt not murder. It doesn't say, Thou shalt not kill. Okay. Well... That, that was my only comment. All right. Well, thank you, Gary. I appreciate that. We've only got a few minutes left. I'm going to try to get everybody uh, on the air. Sandra from Texas. Good morning, Sandra. How are you this morning? I'm very good, thank you. I just have one quick point that I, I wanted to bring up, and, boy, you have a lot of things I could talk about this morning. 
But the Bible does, in fact, say that the earth was round. It says it in Isaiah 40:22. if anybody wants to look it up. So maybe people believe the earth was flat, but not according to the Bible. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I, and I, just to be clear, I mean, I don't know that I ever said anything the Bible said. It's just that people did believe at one time that the world was flat, and... Uh, and that is not true. And what we're doing is we're trying to um, find things which are universally true, you know, whether everybody believes them or not. I don't think um, I don't think everybody is ever going to agree. There are too many people who, you know, they can look at a photograph of the Earth from space and go, oh, you just photoshopped that. Um, you know, you just made it look round. It's really flat. So there are people who can very easily and sometimes do deny the facts, even when the facts are in front of them. Rick from California, good morning. Thanks for joining us this early in the morning. Thank you. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that I really, really enjoy your show. And uh, I always try to wake up early, but sometimes, you know, I can't make it. But I just wanted to say, uh, thank you for, uh, you know, uh, putting out this information once again, and uh, I really do enjoy your show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I try to come up with uh, topics that are going to be interesting. Um, I talked with uh, one of my listeners uh, yesterday who said that he uh, was tuning in when we did the Myers-Briggs personality studies, and his first reaction was, oh, gosh, this is dull and boring. I'm I'm probably going to, you know, find you know, something else to do with my two hours. And he admitted later that he got sucked in and listened to the whole thing. He said that I could probably do a two-hour program on refrigeration and make it interesting. Um, I, I'm hoping that I don't have to uh, push that hard. But I do look for topics that, I mean, you know, not everybody's going to agree on that. And I knew that before I invited uh, Stefan. And, in fact, I invited Stefan because I knew that there was going to be uh, energetic discussion on it. So, um, you know, I think that's what uh, one of the things that makes this program interesting. And I'm, I'm not sucking up. I really do believe that the people who listen to this program have above average intelligence. And in over a year and a half on the radio, I think I had to cut like four people off the air. Um, so everyone is, is very polite. I mean, we don't always agree. But uh, we do agree to discuss the ideas and uh, not poke fun of each other. Yeah, that is true. But once again, you're amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I uh, I appreciate the uh, the compliments. I I I do my best, and um, you know I, I I accept all the blame and all the praise, uh, whatever whatever it takes. Um, Stefan, and and you are to be commended. Uh, Kay called from Florida to suggest that man, you have really bitten off a a major effort. I mean, people over the throughout history have avoided this question because it is so difficult to, to get our hands around. Um, but uh, just because it's a difficult question doesn't mean that somebody shouldn't tackle it. Yeah, it is, it is the holy grail of philosophy to come up with a rational proof of secular ethics. That's the subtitle of the book, UCB, A Rational Proof of Secular Ethics. I just wanted to, just before we go to the next caller, I just wanted to spend 10 seconds on a topic around science, which is that as people who are interested in the free market, we try to differentiate state capitalism, which is a form of fascism, which is 
you know, the, the, the companies that hang around the government and get special privileges and so on. We try to differentiate that from genuine free market activity. In the same way, I think it's important to remember that a lot of scientific, scientific activity is state-funded and faces all the same corruptions and biases that would result from uh, companies not being in the free market but rather hanging around the government. So uh, that's just, I think, an important distinction to, to make is to look at where the science is coming from uh, and how the science may be corrupted, like some of this global warming nonsense, through billions of dollars in funding for following a particular path. One of, I frequently tell a joke, um, and I have to do it very briefly because we only have a few seconds left here. Um, a scientist is doing an experiment on frogs, and he takes the frog and says, jump, frog, jump, and it jumps 12 feet. And he cuts off a leg, it jumps 9 feet, then 6 feet, and then, you know, 3 feet. And he cuts off the last leg, and the scientist goes, jump, frog, jump, and it doesn't move. And he goes, jump, frog, jump. And it still doesn't move. And then he writes on his clipboard, a frog with no legs is deaf. <laughs> and, and the conclusion, <laughs> I mean, the, the moral of the story, I mean, it, it, it catches everybody by surprise, which is, you know, one of the elements of humor. But the essence is that you can have all of the empirical data in front of you and still draw the wrong conclusion and I think you and I agree that when we talk about science we're not talking about state funded uh, organizations that are out to prove um, a particular thing you don't start with the conclusion you know you don't start with the data and then draw the curve and that's what you're trying to do philosophically it's not that you are opposed to the commandments you just don't want to start with the answer and then develop your your proof you want to start from raw nothing, and you want to find the correct answer on your own. Isn't that true? Yeah, I mean, very much so. We want to start without uh, knowing the conclusion. Again, as I said at the beginning, I'm guided by that Aristotelian principle that you can't have a moral system that says murder is good and rape is great. I mean, that obviously would be incorrect. So I was sort of guided by that, but yes, I definitely wanted to try as much as possible to avoid relying on existing uh, thought patterns uh, on religion uh, and so on. And that's why, just to put the uh, website out there, freedomainradio.com forward slash free, you can pick up the audio book, you can pick up the PDF or order the print version. Uh, everything but the print version is free. There's lots of podcasts on philosophy for those who are interested. But those uh, links are on my archive. I want to thank Stephen Molyneux for being here. And if you enjoyed this debate, if you'd like to continue it, send me an email to scholar at constitutionpreservation.org. Scholar at constitutionpreservation.org if you would like to continue our search for the common good. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for being so polite. We'll be here again tomorrow at 7 a.m. Join us, won't you? Talk to you then. Did you read this? Chicago just became the murder capital of America. I don't understand. It's been a felony to have a gun since 95. I thought that was supposed to prevent murders, not increase them. Criminals will always find a way to get guns, while the rest of us are just left defenseless. Chicago authorities have seized over 75,000 firearms since 1995. And now, Chicago's murder rate is twice as high as New York City. Tonight, while you're asleep, criminals will be at work. Not in Kennesaw, Georgia. 
1982, our city passed a law requiring every household to have a gun. It terrified the criminals, and our violent crime rate is now 75% below the national average. We sleep well here in Kennesaw. Americans who own guns prevent over a million violent crimes every year and save lives. Get the facts. Visit armedandsecure.org. That's armedandsecure.org. News, politics, cover-ups, government corruption. You're listening to We the People.